Another Way to Play, episode 98. Understanding where your strengths are, what it is that you really understand, where you fall in the scheme of things, right? Like, are you great at finding deals? Are you great at making partnerships? Are you great at raising capital? Are you on the execution? Do you lease up the property? Do you get the debt? Like, there's got to be a reason for you to exist, in my opinion, in a deal. This is Shane Melanson, founder of Melanson Developments. And if you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good friend, Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the nine-to-five rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is Another Way to Play with your host, Hans Struzina. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Struzina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is Shane Melanson. He's the founder of Melanson Investments. He lives in Calgary, Alberta, and has invested across Canada and the United States. He's done personally uh, more than $65 million in transactions and helped clients with over $260 million of their own deals. He's got two books, the most recent of which is called Club Syndication, which is his answer to everyone wanting to know how to invest in real estate. Uh, so check that out down in the show notes. Um, and then he's also the host of the Investing Advantage podcast, which is an awesome podcast. You guys all need to go uh, take a listen if you have any interest in real estate investing without a bunch of BS. In this episode, we get into a whole bunch of different stuff, but specifically talking about his early childhood life when his dad actually uh, made him budget out his entire year as like a 12-year-old and then would give him money to live off for the entire year and then he would inevitably run out and had to learn uh, resourcefulness and how to get more money when you know Thanksgiving or birthdays or Christmas comes around and you want something new or you got to buy something for someone. He had to figure that out pretty early. And then he talks about losing money in a real estate deal at 19, uh, which really wiped him out at the time, but wiped his dad out even further. And then how he ultimately took all of that knowledge and parlayed that into his uh, commercial real estate investing and how he just got after it and got some coaches and got a lot of really great advice and some um, knowledge along the way. So you're going to want to listen up for all of that. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in. Before we get to the interview with Shane... If you're getting value out of this, please leave a review on iTunes. It really helps me grow the show, gives me critical feedback on how I can keep getting better and keep providing more value to you. So thanks in advance for that, guys. And without any further ado now, let's just bring him in, Shane Melanson. Shane, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate you taking some time with us. Yeah, I'm excited to be here, Hans. Yeah, man. So uh, you're doing a lot, as I alluded into the intro, in the real estate development space in Canada. You've got um, a book out there. You've got a ton of stuff going on. But before we get into all of that and what you're doing today, let's back up and and tell the audience a little bit about yourself and where your story actually began. Yeah, sure. So uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, 
I think it's it's easy to look at where a person's at today and just kind of assume that they've always, you know, been in the game of commercial real estate or developments. Um, but I grew up in a small town, White Court, Alberta, where both my parents were teachers. My dad was the principal. Uh, I still remember the day that he was, uh, you know, they announced it over the intercom. I was in grade two. And as a grade two kid, you don't want your dad, especially a strict dad, as a principal. And so that was, uh, um, you know, I learned a lot from that. Uh, but I'm very grateful for both my parents. I mean, they taught me a lot of lessons, especially hard work, uh, discipline. I played a lot of sports growing up. I was, you know, captain of hockey teams and played soccer. Um, but there was a couple of pivotal points, if you will, when I was coming up in White Court. And the first was some of my friends, their parents were entrepreneurs. And it was pretty evident when, you know, for example, you're at halftime or in between periods uh, when you're playing hockey and all the dads are bringing in their kids like Gatorade and chocolate bars. And then after the game, they're getting to go out for dinner. Well, that wasn't part of our budget, right? Like my dad was very strict on, you know, that we had to kind of follow a budget. And in fact, I think in grade five or grade six, I don't, I've never really talked about this, but he basically said, what's your budget for the year? And then from that point on, he would write me a check for whatever, $2,200, $2,400. And that was the budget, right? From haircuts to birthday parties to hockey equipment. And I remember in grade five, you know, when someone gives you $2,000, I went out and bought clothes, new hockey equipment, and then I was out of money in October, right? So then I yeah. essentially had to go get, you know, two paper routes. Uh, I was getting my friends back then when I had hair to cut my hair, um, you know, just kind of, you just learn lots of lessons, right? And, um, but I guess what I took away from it initially from those kind of, uh, worries about money, if you will, is I thought I don't ever want to worry about money. And so I took it upon myself to really work hard. And so I was always, I never had to worry about it per se, but you know, fast forward, you can only work so hard and trade so many hours to make money before you realize that, you know, when I was in university working four jobs, uh, yeah, I had decent money, but compared to people that were working much smarter and investing and creating money in a more passive uh, fashion, uh, that's where there was a bit of a disconnect. And so, I mean, I can talk about, you know, some of the deals that I initially invested in. My dad and I lost, you know, well, my dad remortgaged his house and lost $100,000 in the wrong investment. Uh, so that was... That was a very painful lesson. I lost about 13,000. And as a 19 year old kid, that's a lot of money. But when you see your parents, you know, they spent 10 years to learn, you know, to pay off their home and then to have that wiped out and then have to start over again. uh, You know, I realized that there was things that we just didn't know, right? I mean, we didn't educate ourselves. We didn't take the time to do the due diligence. It was more about the fear of missing out, right? It was really the worry of, okay, here's all these smart people putting money into a deal and we got invited in. Uh, We have to like capitalize and take advantage of it instead of being prudent Mm -hmm. saying, okay, let's put in 25% of what we can afford to lose. It was like whatever we could possibly put in. And so some very valuable and expensive lessons uh, from that. So, So, man, I'm struck by your story because my parents, I think I've talked about this on the show before, if I haven't, um, 
my parents gave me, you know, an allowance because I had to do chores. And they said, you can have the allowance on two conditions. One, you do your chores, of course. Two, you keep uh, an accounting. And at that time, Quicken 98 was like the, the new software. So we had to account for everything and reconcile our bank statements when they came in the mail at the end of the month. And they said, before we give you a check, we're going to open up your Quicken. And if it's not balanced, then uh, you don't get your next allowance. So that's awesome. That was big. But then you took, your dad took this a step further and like budget your year. It's like, I don't know what I would have done if my dad tried to do that to me at, you know, 13 years <laughs> old, I would not have handled that well at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, like I said, I, I think what happens is, you know, ki- kids can guy in kind of go one or two ways, right? You can embrace it. But back then I was I, like, we butted heads, right? Mm-hmm. So when that money came to me, I didn't do what it was intended for, right? I had it mapped out for 12 months, but the reality is in six weeks, it was gone. Mm-hmm. So then I had to basically be resourceful because there was no, like, you had a birthday coming up, your, you know, Christmas is coming up and you have to buy presents for people. Like, what are you going to do, right? And I was foolish enough to, you know, call it wasted. Or I mean, I wanted new hockey sticks. I hated hand-me-down equipment. So I went out and bought new stuff. Right. And so... Um, you know, so I basically said, okay, if that source of income or revenue is gone from your parents, then I'll just go and deliver newspapers. Right. So, right. And, yeah. and to the, like the core of this show, uh, you know, trading hours for dollars, it's like, that is a really obvious and kind of easy path to go down when it's like, I need more money. Okay. I'm going to go get a job. Now I'm going to get a second job or I'm going to get a higher paying job or I'm going to get whatever. But you're ultimately, as you said, you had four jobs in college and you were like maxed out on the amount of time you could even be awake, let alone productive. And, you know, you want to have a life and you want to enjoy some of the fruits of your labor as well. So that you mentioned something in your story about um, working smarter as opposed to harder. And I wonder for you what that actually looked like, because everyone's got a, a lot of times it's rich dad, poor dad book, but they had an exposure to this concept of assets and liabilities that, you know, most of us don't learn in school or even learn from our parents, unless we're fortunate enough to have real estate investing or entrepreneurial parents. Um, So what was that moment for you? Um, You know, I guess, so I, uh, read a lot of books, right? I certainly read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I read um, Think and Grow Rich, some of Tony Robbins, like I, The Power Within or something to that mm-hmm. effect. Unleash the Power Within? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I, I was into personal development. And about that time, I was noticing the, my best friend that I was living with at the time uh, grew up in White Court. He dropped out of university and he... Uh, he was working one job, but he owned three houses and I was paying his, you know, between myself and two other buddies, we were paying his mortgage and, um, you know, without going into all the details, but at the time I was dating a girl older than me and, and, uh, I didn't realize it, but she was embarrassed by the fact that I was living in a basement suite. I was thinking I was getting ahead in life by saving all this money. And essentially because I'd been burned on this deal, I was hoarding, right? I was making money and I was putting it in a safety deposit box. I wasn't even putting it in the bank. Like I was just so uh, paranoid almost. And I guess kind of that trigger event was right before Christmas. She breaks up with me. I kind of realized that I had to get my stuff together, right? I had to really Mm -hmm. kind of change the way I was operating. And so within about three months, 
uh, one of the jobs I was at, I was, I worked at a gym and there was a realtor there and, uh, he's still a buddy of mine today, Dennis. And, uh, I said, look, I want to, I want to buy a house, but I have no idea how to do this. So he helped me buy a house. Uh, I got a roommate and all of a sudden I'm thinking, wow, like I'm, like I'm paying less here and I own a house and it just felt so good. And so then within three months I bought another property and because, you know, I had okay credit, I had money. I didn't have as not enough credit to kind of get the second house brought in a friend, he co-signed, fixed and flipped it, did a bunch of things wrong, but I did a few things right. So I made money, like a lot of money. And then I did another one and another one. And then people started to see what I was doing. And this was in kind of 04. So mm-hmm. the market in Calgary was going up. Um, and I just took action, right? Like, so I wasn't, I did hire a mentor, but the mentor was, I, you know, I don't want to say anything uh, negative, but I mean, this guy was based out of Utah. His only tool was lease options. And so, uh-huh. you know, or sandwich lease options. And so when you're in an up market trying to negotiate and ask for a lease option or sandwich lease option, guys are like, why would I do that? Right. I mean, the market's right. going up 8% a year. So, but once again, that just forced me to take more action. Cause I was like, I put a lot of money for that mentor. I want to take that money. I want to make sure that I invest it or, you know, I get a return on it. And um, you know, so if, if anything, it was just an accountability guy. And uh, I want to say I probably did, you know, 20 homes in the first couple of years. Um, and that and was flipping those homes, right? Flipping homes, doing spec homes, building, you know, ground up. Um, I was just basically opportunistic. If there was an opportunity, I mean, uh, I bought land in Costa Rica and that was probably one of the stupidest things I ever did. Like I just, I went to an event, I had made lots of money. It was sitting in an account. And so all of a sudden I went from hoarding to I have this money and if it's not generating um, a return for me, I felt very uneasy about that. Right. I couldn't be patient. And so I put out, you know, close to 250,000 into just speculative land. I still own that land. And frankly, I, you know, I value it like that. Like it's nothing, Uh, but it was a very good lesson for me. And so I, you know, I'm going to get mileage out of that story and tell people about it because. Right. Yeah. It's an expensive story. It's interesting, like there's a distinction here, right? Especially when you're in the beginning stages and you're trying to learn, you're reading books, maybe you're on forums or you're going to events or whatever, maybe no events during COVID, maybe they're all Zoom events or whatever, but, but you're learning and you're getting excited. Maybe you've gotten a couple of deals under your belt. You're just kind of getting after it. Like at what point do you feel it's important to sort of niche down or to start to focus on a channel? Because you could as you said, you could do a lease option, you could fix and flip, you could get a real estate license, you could um, do Airbnb, you could do all these different things. And, and if you do all of them, you'll probably make some money, but probably eventually not as much as if you would have focused at one or two of them. And you obviously had that experience of buying something in Costa Rica that still hasn't worked out for you except for a good story. Um, but where do you feel like that moment is of like action, action, just do anything you can versus like, stay focused and money sit in the bank for a couple of months while you find the, the right opportunity. Well, I would say like, you know, hindsight's always easy to look back on and say, I wish I would have done X, Y, and Z. Uh, I will definitely say, even as I transitioned into commercial real estate, I mean, I've done industrial, retail, mobile homes, multifamily, value add, development. And had I just stuck to a narrow vertical, I would be 20 times further, Right. 
Um, I can't go back in time, but one of the things I'm doing right now is I'm very clear on what it is that we're working on. And certainly if there's opportunities that come from the outside and we have the skill set to be able to execute, okay, but that's going to maybe take up 10 to 15% of our bandwidth. Um, I mean, so, but I didn't have anybody to get me focused, right? Like, I was really chasing after money for the most part, right? Because I equated money to freedom and that did happen, right? I mean, at 29, I left whatever the corporate world or 28, 29, whatever the age was. And I, and I haven't looked back. Um, but I think there's much smarter ways to do that. And to your point, I think that had someone said, okay, what is your plan? What's the map that you're going to kind of follow and go from point A to point B? Uh, and then reverse engineer that. I mean, that's what I do when I coach clients now. I suspect that's probably what you do when you're working with someone, right? Like yep. if you don't know where they want to get to, then it's very difficult to help someone, right? I mean, whether it's getting in shape, whether it's finding you know someone to marry, whether it's raising your kids, whatever it happens to be, like there's usually something kind of pulling you forward. And and I've spent a lot of time trying to get clear on those, those goals and outcomes. And, and I'm far from from having it all figured out. But I think just, I mean, the last two years, I've hired more coaches than I've ever had. And I've gotten much further just because I've had people test. Uh, I think sometimes it's easier to kind of um, have someone else look at your life and inspect it. Because, you know, when you're inside the bottle, it's hard to see the label or whatever that phrase is. Yeah, that's a good phrase. I actually like that one. Um, It's interesting because my wife and I, like I'm, I'm sort of comparing and contrasting the two of us. Like we we're both entrepreneurial and we're both into real estate. We own property together and I, but our styles our way of going about it are very different. She is much more security oriented and wants to make sure that, you know, we have a reserve account and then monthly everything is covered. We're not going to overextend on a refinance or, um, you know, even just a purchase in the first place. I'm a little bit more like big picture, just action, 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 kind of like what you described first and then figure it out later. Yeah. And neither one is wrong, but there is maybe a wrong direction for you or for the person listening or you or me. And I think that goes back to something that is core and true that every guest on the show has talked about is knowing yourself and knowing what you're good at, knowing what you want and what you like. And like you, I've, definitely been the beneficiary of a lot of coaches, but only once I realized that like my athletic background led me into being coachable. And so it's like, just hire someone to help you figure out some of the stuff you don't know and you'll get way farther ahead. But that ultimately a lot of that for me doesn't um, substitute the hands-on learning and the action taking. So that's all just to say that getting like a coach in and of itself is never going to solve your problem and never going to get you where you need to do if you don't take the action. Um, and oftentimes take the action first. And so like I'm starting a YouTube channel, I'm playing around on Pinterest, just like trying to learn it to understand some really basic stuff so that when I do go hire somebody, um, ultimately to help me grow those channels, I will have a very basic understanding or same thing with the VA. Um, can you talk about for in your experience in your story that realization of when you sort of came to grips with who you are and what your style was and then because um, you talked about in the last two years bringing those coaches in like how did that sort of morph in your brain to recognize that that was the strategy that was going to work for you? Well, 
uh, I would say that, okay, so initially a lot of the goals that I set, I think I wrote them thinking someone else would read them and that they would sound cool. You know what I mean? So the Mm -hmm. first few goals that I set were so basic. I still remember I was in LA. I just graduated university and I was, um, I was doing, uh, essentially Krav Maga. I was one of the instructors, but more dry land. I wasn't like a Krav Maga uh, instructor. Uh, and so I remember sitting in the airport and I, I think I had a book with me. I don't remember what book it was. And I wrote down five goals, right? And they were like, like so rudimentary, like married by 30. Um, I want to own a house. Uh, I want to, like I was driving a Honda Civic at the time. I wanted like a forerunner, like, I, you know, kids yeah, by yeah, this yeah. age. And so I just kind of put that away. I didn't even think about it again, right? And funny enough, like, I think all of those goals came to be uh, at some point, right? And those goals were like, just for me. But then Mm -hmm. as I started to do more personal development, it was like, I would almost incorporate goals that I would hear these incredible speakers talk about. And they sounded like, oh yeah, that sounds great. You know, a hundred grand a month, like that should be my new target or um, a vacation property or whatever it happens to be, like a fancy car. Well, those things don't drive me. And so it took a long time to really get honest with myself, figure out like what the hell is important to Shane, and then just start to focus on that, right? Like I used to travel a ton because it used to sound like, uh, yeah, I used to drive significance out of that, right? I was on the road a hundred days a year, you know, in Houston and Dallas and Phoenix and you know, Ontario and looking at all these properties and people would, you know, would just say like, man, that just, that sounds amazing. But as you know, um, like for me, I was just starting my family and I hated being away from my kids. Like it would be very hard to sleep for the first two or three days I was away because I just missed my little girl at the time. And, and now I've got three. I didn't have principles that I based my investing and my life off of. And so once I took the time and I had a few kind of mentors ask me those questions and it was very uh, difficult to realize that maybe I didn't have those initially. And so when you don't have guiding principles on where you invest, who you invest with, um, you become very opportunistic. And let's face it, the more deals you do, the more opportunities you'll see. And because I was very good at raising capital, I saw lots of deals. And because I'm an action taker, it's very easy to go down the path in a million different directions and chasing maybe deals that fundamentally don't make sense. Wrong location, wrong partner, no control, too risky, no understanding of the business. You know what I mean? Like just, so this is kind of interesting because I don't talk about this kind of stuff, but it's. uh, Yeah. Yeah, man. It's really, it's interesting. That whole um, idea of like, if you, if you don't have these principles or these guiding you know, North Stark's kind of experiences where you know where you're trying to go roughly, you're just going to get distracted or you're going to try other people's version of that. And something you said a little bit earlier, you wrote goals as if someone else was going to read them. I can absolutely relate to that. And I'm sure someone else can too, because they think in it like it's external, like someone's going to think your Instagram account is awesome or, or yeah. the things you post on it's awesome because you have this car or you're out looking at deals or you have cash flow or whatever, as opposed to, you know, what is important to you and what ultimately brings you joy. Admittedly, it is not an easy thing to find. 
and it will take some time and you're probably going to have to try on some other people's goals and um, fake it till you make it for a little bit to ultimately figure it out. At least if you're kind of a, a big idea, like go for it, which sounds like you and I both are and then figure out the details later. But you don't want to like go too far down that road without having some introspection as to like, is this really serving me? I'm on the road a hundred days. I miss my family. Like this doesn't feel right. This isn't fitting well because you could probably still be doing that, but have a really miserable life. And on the flip side, you could probably figure out a different way to go about your investing, which it sounds like you have. And I'd love to get into that now, but um, that is probably serving you and, and really truly what you want to do and how you want to live in a better way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, so I hired up what I thought was a business coach. So he was a former NFL player. Uh, knee, he's got a you know great podcast. Anyways, I had listened to his podcast for a long time and he always, he was really sports focused, right? But just a lot of the things and his values really resonated with me. And so um, when I started working with him, I was like initially a little frustrated because he kept asking about my family. I'm like, dude, I didn't pay this much money to talk about my family. Like I want to grow my business, right? I want to mm-hmm. figure this out. And I really, I realized kind of quickly that everything I was doing was for my family, yet they were so disconnected, right? In terms of like, even though I didn't work for anybody, I still worked because I'm, I'm not that old and, and frankly, I love it. Um, but there was definitely, there needed to be more congruence, right? When you get asked like, when was the last time you went on a date with your wife? And like, I blanked on it. That's a very harsh uh, reality to come to. And so just, okay, date nights on Thursdays. This is what I'm doing with my kids, reading to them in the evenings. Now, even though I wake up early and I do work, like I cook pancakes for them every morning because they love that. And I love being mm-hmm. with them, right? Or being yeah. able to take them to school. Like it's like all these little small things and in and of itself, they don't maybe move the, you know, like they're not earth shattering, but when you stack it on and, um, uh, Maybe I'll send this to you just so you can kind of see it. It was really cool. My daughter had a project where she had to describe her life up to now, right? With COVID going on and she's only nine years old and it's like a two and a half minute slide show. And it shows all these pictures of all the things that we have done. And man, I'm telling you, like it brought tears to my eyes. Like my wife put it together. I just put the music on it. And uh, so then you start to realize like, I don't get tears in my eyes when I do a real estate deal. Maybe yeah. if I lose money, but yeah, you know. right. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, and I can, those moments and taking that time for yourself, for your family, for your kids, whatever that case is, like really being focused on the fact that a business should serve you, not the other way around. Yeah. And that's really hard to balance that, especially when you're in growth mode, especially when you're starting it out and you're, figuring it out. It's all in consuming and you want to charge forward and make, make it happen. But and one thing I've learned in real estate, which I'm sure you can attest to is, you know, there are some really high highs and then there's like a lot of boring stuff that happens between. And then there's maybe you get a new client or you get a new deal and then there's some more boring stuff and then it closes and then there's some more boring stuff. So we're like always constantly trying to feed this adrenaline rush um, that businesses and some businesses have a shorter cycle and, you know, you get that a little bit more in different doses, but either way, we're, we're always trying to charge towards that thing. Whereas those family moments, 
and those, you know, those date nights and the, those sorts of things, like that's why you're doing all this stuff in the first place is to remind yourself of that and to build that into your life is so important to have yeah. all of the rest of it serve it is critical. So thank you for sharing all that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I think it's just having that kind of perspective, right? Just to be able to uh, zoom out a little bit and see what it is that you're doing. So, um, but I think you wanted to, like, if you want, we can talk about some of the stuff that I do now. Yeah. And that's where I was going to go. Cause it's interesting. I will say that some people will probably listen to this and say, you know, Hans, Shane, like that's all great, you know, but you know, you can only succeed if you're like super busy all the time. You can only do really big deals if you're constantly up for 16 hours a day on your phone, making phone calls and whatever. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about your success in the real estate space and what you have built, what you do on a daily basis, um, you know, for yourself and for clients and coaching students that also is congruent with the lifestyle you just described for us? Yeah. Well, okay. So when I went from residential to commercial, I realized very quickly that I didn't need to do 10 or 20 deals a year. Right now I do one or two projects a year and I do uh, developments because I've got that skill set and I have good partners and the profit is, is significantly higher, right? The other thing is for a little while there between 16 and 2019, I could build for less than I could buy existing assets for. And so mm-hmm. for me, I saw that as an arbitrage opportunity where I could basically take advantage of upzoning land or rezoning, uh, finding tenants. Like I don't build on spec. I don't take a lot of risk. I have fixed price contracts, uh, good relationships with lenders and banks and whatnot. But most people are probably not going to have that. And, I, and it's not, not where I started. But let's just say you're going out finding value-add plays right now. Mm-hmm. I'm always looking at a deal and asking, like, is there enough upside and juice in this to justify the time being put into it? Like I was on a phone call yesterday with some guys that want me to help raise capital and structure their deals. And so, you know, one deal was probably in the $20 million range. And then the other deal was going to be, I think, 3 million. Well, I just broke it down for him. I said like, yeah, like the 3 million, even though it's going to maybe profit a million, here's all the mouths to feed in this deal. Here's how long it's going to take. Here's the risks. And I just said like, for me, I'm out. Like it doesn't make sense. I said, uh, if this is Shane doing this deal by myself, sure, a million dollars upside, like, and it takes 18 months to execute, no problem. But we're talking about multiple people. I don't know them. Uh, this is a property not in Calgary. It's an hour and a half away. So you just start to stack on all the risks. And that's where I used to be, right? Like when I did the 1,150 acres out in Ontario, that's like a four-hour flight and a two-hour drive. And it's in a smaller community, which means it's hard to find people. And so I learned like tons of lessons on, mm-hmm. okay, like the amount to push that boulder up the hill was tremendous. Like it, it required my full-time attention. And I lost out on, I don't even want to talk about it or think about it. <laughs> so many yeah. deals that I missed out on because that was all consuming. So I think, you know, understanding where your strengths are, what it is that you really understand, where you fall in the scheme of things, right? Like, are you great at finding deals? Are you great at um, making partnerships? Are you great at raising capital? Are you on the execution? Do you lease up the property? Do you get the debt? Like, there's got to be a reason for you to exist, in my opinion, in a deal. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that sometimes people don't want to ask that tough question. Like, 
I was on a call with another gentleman in Toronto. He's telling me he can find the deals, he can raise the money and he can execute. I said, why are we having this call? Like, I don't understand. Like, why, like, where do I fit into this? Like, if there's no deal here, then let's not waste each other's time. So to your point, I could have in the past, cause he's a really nice guy, right? So we, we could have continued those conversations for a month. And I think that a lot of investors like go down the wrong path and not just being kind of mindful of, okay, here's a guy who's got this, he's got this, he's got this. Like, why don't I just ask, like, why are we having this conversation? Not to be an asshole or, or difficult, but just like, just tell me, man, like, what is it that I can contribute or bring to the table? And if it's nothing, that's cool, but let's not talk, right? Like, right. let's go for a beer sometime when we're not, right. you know, trying to make money here. Totally. I love that. Yeah, it's, I mean, being of sort of a value add mindset is absolutely critical, whether you're representing a client on a purchase or you're getting into business with someone in a 18 month project, like <clears throat> the value has to be there. Um, everyone has to be bringing something to the table and being honest and saying, I don't see where I fit into that. You'll probably earn more trust and more deals down the road by having that conversation up front. You may lose out on a few dollars today, but you'll probably make up for it tenfold over the next 10 years with that relationship that you've just built. And that obviously comes with some experience. Like we said before, you've gone out, you've pushed a lot of boulders uphill um, and then now you know what it takes. And then you're like, I'm not going to do this one or I don't think that's a good fit or whatever. So thank you for sharing that story. We are unfortunately getting to the end of the time because otherwise we could just go for days about talking about real estate and business and such. Um, but I do want to transition us over to the focus five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Are you ready? Yeah, you bet. Let's do it. First question is what book have you gifted most often? Uh, okay. So there's two, the book that I gift, meaning I give to people is the book that I wrote, uh, club syndication. And, uh, and that's kind of like, a, um, you know, my selfish plug. Uh, but I did spend a lot of time like this book was what I tried to do in it is people would ask me for coffee and say, Shane, how do you invest in commercial real estate? How do you raise money? Well, you do enough of those coffee meetings and then you just figure, let's put it into something I can just hand to someone. Right. So it's leveraging your time. Um, the other book is, uh, probably, I mean, there's a couple of books that come to mind, but I really like principles by Ray Dalio. I think that that's like, it's pretty dense and takes some time to get through, but I think, the premise behind it, right? Like why he even wrote the book is just incredible in terms of distilling the lessons that he learned into a book that he could pass on. And he talks about, you know, think of the people before him that um, he would have loved to have read their biography or how they thought about things. And so um, by no means am I comparing myself to some of these, you know, very deep thinkers. But I think it's lots of people have lessons that they've learned that they could put into something, some format, video, book, and hand off to people. And, and if you have a, a sincere interest in helping, uh, you know, if, even if you just kind of help one person, it can, it can have a huge impact. So, Yeah, very well said. We'll link to both of those down in the show notes uh, so you can find them pretty easily. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? Ah, that's a good question. Who would I ask, uh, alive or dead? I would say, uh, I'm watching 
the uh, biography on Michael Jordan right now. And I grew up playing basketball, but I was never that good. And uh, I just like, when I see the drive that that guy has, like every single game, you know what I mean? To show up and do what he did. Uh, I'd love to sit down with Jordan and uh, have a conversation for an hour. I think that would just be, he just seems like number one, he's a real dude. Number two, he's accomplished like so much. And just like I said, I remember in sports, I'd have good games and bad games to never have a bad game. I mean, I just, how do you do that? That would be incredible to know. What is one thing that you believe that most people would disagree with you on? Um, I think one of the things that I believe, uh, and, and I mean, it's even part of what we talked about today, which is just like sharing your story and sharing some of the things that are maybe a little bit more vulnerable, if you will. I mean, you think about the commercial real estate world where I, I was a commercial real estate agent. There's not a lot of people that are going to talk about their childhood. They're going to talk about some of the mistakes they made because it's a very, um, like you almost have to put on like a, a front, right? Because you're afraid of being judged. And what I've realized is I'm certainly not the most uh, outgoing, if you will, but I've realized that by sharing some of those stories, it really does uh, bring people, the right people to you. And even though it's quite scary initially, and I don't think many people would ever take the time to write a book, start a podcast like you, um, I think that if you can kind of get out of your, your own head and, and realize that it's not about you, it's about helping others, um, it's kind of why you see some people succeed at a high level and others work really hard, uh, just kind of make it. That's really well said. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. How do you like to start your day? So uh, I'll tell you kind of Monday through Friday, because Saturdays and Sundays, I usually sleep in about an hour, but I usually wake up at five. Um, I do kind of a, uh, like a morning ritual where I read, you know, like the same thing front and back on my goals, my intentions it takes about 13 and a half minutes, plus or minus mm-hmm. uh, do 20 burpees, 30 jumping jacks. Um, and then I will read minimum 10 pages, usually about 30 minutes. And I'll kind of take notes in my iPad. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, that takes me to about 6 a.m., make my coffee. And then I come down and work for the first 90 minutes on the biggest priority that I have for that day. And so that could be, um, you know, presentation, that could be working on a deal, that could be putting together a pitch deck, whatever it happens to be. And then after that, it's usually I tackle the hardest thing that I've got to get done that day, whatever, like there's always going to be something that you kind of want to put off because it might be uncomfortable or it might not be very fun. Uh, I've realized that when I do those things, uh, I just feel, you know, amazing. And then I'll work out for about 45 minutes to an hour. And then, you know, the rest of the day is I got blocked off, but <laughs> it's yeah. not always the same. That's a really interesting schedule. I like it. And this has been awesome. Uh, thank you so much for bringing uh, all your value and all your time today. Uh, what is the best place that the audience can connect with you online? You know, my website, Shane Melanson, M-E-L-A-N-S-O-N.com. You can find everything that you need to, I, th- I mean, not everything, but there's links to, you know, social media and my book and all that kind of stuff there. So. And then you have a podcast as well. Can you just tell us real quick what the title is and what it, what that's about? Cause it, love to promote you there as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. I appreciate that. So the podcast is called the investing advantage and 
I would say for the first probably 20 or so episodes, it was just Shane, you know, like sitting in front of a camera, I was doing Facebook lives Mm -hmm. and uh, I would just, I would just basically share some of the experiences I had as it relates to um, investing in commercial real estate with a real focus on just like, (laughs) if I could just do one thing, which is to prevent someone from making a bad investing decision because of some of these non-negotiables or principles, um, then and that would be a big win for me. So that's kind of the, the premise behind it. That's awesome, Shane. Thank you so much for your time. Guys, go check him out uh, down in the show notes. I've got everything linked down there so you can easily find Shane down in the show notes. So um, thanks again for your time, man. Really appreciate it and uh, much success going forward. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was fun. And that's a wrap on today's episode. If you guys got value out of that and you want to connect with Shane, go down to the show notes. You can check out his podcast, his books, his website, his social stuff. All of it's down there. And same thing with me. If you want to connect on a one-on-one basis, I've got my Calendly link down below so you can get on my calendar. Let's have a quick chat and get to know each other. Really been enjoying those. Uh, For those of you who've taken me up on that, so thank you to those of you who have and looking forward to connecting to those of you who will. So uh, without any further ado, let's sign it off for today. This is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play. And remember to make every chapter better than the last. Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at Chief SNAH on Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play.